0: welcome back to the Naked Security Podcast. I'm Anna Braiding and I'm here with none of the usual suspects, but I am here with our new podcast producer, Alice Duckett. Hi. We've been away for a while sorting out the sound. We've got a brand new studio. We've got new soundproofing on the walls. We've got new mics and a sexy acoustic sofa that I'm sat on right now. We'll be back next week with our series two, but in the meantime, we thought we'd bring you a special splinter episode. Some of my fellow podcasters have released some interesting research into RDP. The TLDR of it is while everyone's worried about Bluekeep, the wolves are already at your door. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people are attacking your RDP servers. I caught up with Matt Boddy, Ben Jones and Mark Stockley to talk to them about their research and what they discovered. Here's the interview from a couple of weeks ago. So Matt, what is RDP?
1: So RDP stands for Remote Desktop Protocol and it's essentially if you have a way of accessing your desktop at work remotely then that's using the Remote Desktop Protocol to do that on on Windows that is.
0: Okay and what so why is it interesting why are you looking at it?
1: So the reason why we're looking at it is because the the targeted ransomware attacks that we've seen for the past year or two years or so have all been focusing on that RDP protocol. Yeah. With the exception of things like um, WannaCry, for instance, where that used SMB. And it makes you think these targeted ransomware attacks, perhaps they're not targeting the organization or the people. Perhaps they're targeting a weak protocol. And actually, when we've looked into it, you can see that that they're focusing on the on hacking in or cracking into the password, into weak passwords on those RDP servers. And that's why, what we wanted to find out. We wanted to find out how often are our ODP servers being attacked? How often are these hackers approaching our ODP servers to try and crack into them and then spread to the entire network and force a ransomware attack upon an entire business?
0: Okay, so you did some research um, a few months ago on uh, SSH honeypots. Is this, is this building on that?
1: Yeah, exactly. So the SSH honeypot research was figuring out how often our SSH servers are being targeted by an attacker, how often somebody's attempting to log into that SSH server remotely. Yeah, And actually RDP is a little bit, it's, it's much more interesting actually, because a lot more businesses are using Windows and a lot more businesses are revealing RDP to the outside world. If you look it up on Shodan, uh, when we looked it up at the time of the research, we found 4 million servers with RDP accessible to the outside world. However, we're now led to
2: believe that there's surely more than that. Okay, and loads of loads of companies depend on RDP. It's not for a lot of companies. It's not an optional thing. So they'll use it for remote working. Their administrators might use it to administer servers in the cloud. Right. But you also find that um, third-party suppliers will insist on RDP access. And you know, you know, you hear horror stories about. Uh, you know, a small company will outsource part of, part or all of their IT department and the people they're outsourcing to might insist on having administrator access over RDP. Yeah. And so, you know, it's always been the case that if you stick something on the internet, then it's interesting to hackers. But of all the things you can put on the internet, RDP is arguably the most interesting thing. Yeah. And it, it is interesting that these, these targeted ransomware attacks, which are the ones that kind of lay waste to entire organisations like, you know, city administrations and utilities and hospitals and things like this. There's a there's a template that all the criminals are using that, you know, the attacks are very, very similar to each other. And one of the things they all have in common is they will start with a compromised RDP account.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then, so you set up honeypots. Uh, ben, do you want to talk through uh, what your setup was?
3: Yeah, sure. So to commence our research, we decided to set up some honeypots, as you said, uh, just to be clear what a honeypot is in terms of, Cybersecurity terminology. It is basically a system that's designed to mimic a certain set of services or service uh, in order to try to attract some attackers or potential attackers, really, to interact with that honeypot. And then we can closely monitor the ways and the means by which they're they're trying to attack. Okay. Um, so when we were trying to figure out what type of a honeypot or an RDP honeypot we wanted to set up, uh, we reviewed and, and tested a number of pre-built, or rather, uh, sorry, purpose-built RDP honeypot servers, uh, such as XRDP, which is actually a Linux-based honeypot server. Um, we deployed it and we, we tested it. However, there was a couple of reasons that put us off XRDP. So one of which being uh, XRDP doesn't actually support network level authentication, or NLA for short, which is a Microsoft uh, sort of security uh, t- feature really, that uh, was introduced in Windows Server 2008 by default on RDS servers. Um, and it basically, what it means is that the server, uh, with, with NLA before NLA was introduced, the server would render a graphical user interface and then deliver that to the user or to the client, the RDP client. The RDP client would then authenticate, the user would authenticate through that graphical user interface session. However, what attackers quickly realised is that if you continuously send enough RDP requests to an RDS server that doesn't use network level authentication, the server on the server side, it would then render lots and lots of different graphical user interface to publish those down to the clients. And that then had a significant performance overhead or rather resource, consumed significant amount of resource on the server side, which resulted in a denial of service attack. Basically, it would take down an RDS server because it was trying to do too much without ever having to successfully authenticate. So in order to tackle that issue, Microsoft introduced network level authentication, which basically means that the client authenticates before a graphical user interface is rendered and delivered down to the client basically. So um, after realizing that XRDP doesn't support network level authentication and a couple of other reasons as well in which it doesn't, did it, we realized it didn't quite behave in the way that a Microsoft Windows RDS server would actually behave. So we then realized that in fact the best fake Microsoft Windows RDP server is in fact a real Microsoft hmm. Microsoft Windows RDS server. So um, what we did is we spun up 10 different EC2 instances or Windows Server 2019 okay. EC2 instances in AWS, each of which was in a different data center, hosted in a different data center across the globe. Uh, we left all of the configuration as default, so the uh, administrative password or the default administrator user password was uh, randomly generated by AWS. RDP was a name Enabled by default again, out of the box, because in fact that's what AWS or use, uh, admins use to uh, interact with their with their instances in uh, AWS. So that was actually enabled by default as well.
2: So uh, if you if you set up an AWS server, this is what you get if you don't do anything.
3: Exactly, exactly. And then we monitored over the period of a thirty day, oh, rather over a thirty day period, we monitored the number of failed login attempts uh, via RDP to those particular window servers. So these are what we'd consider
1: low-interaction honeypots. Okay. And the reason why we consider them low-interaction honeypots is because the hacker doesn't have much interaction with them, basically. So they're, they're going to be able to see the login prompts to try and log into our server. They'll try and type in a username and password or that will more likely be scripted and a username and password will automatically be tried in that login prompt. At which point, they'll hopefully always get a, this has been rejected message because we've got a really, really long, complex password set for our administrator on that device. What we did to make sure that that happened is we monitored event ID on Windows 4625 and 4624. 4625 is the user login attempt has failed. So that meant that by monitoring that log, we were able to pass that back to our database, which was using Elastic Stack and then quantify the number of login attempts we had and extract all the information about the usernames, the users which have been attempted to be logged in as. Um, but the reason why we monitored uh, event ID 4624 is because that tells, if, tells us if somebody's been successful at logging in. So okay. if we saw successful logins that we weren't, we weren't expecting, we were able to then report back and, and, and kill those instances immediately. Luckily, we never got to that point. We yeah. never had to do that.
0: So how long did it take before the first login attempt happened?
1: So the first login ha- attempt happened within one minute and 24 oh. seconds. So that is rapid, right? Yeah. We were saying earlier, that's not long enough to make a cup of tea for those of you in England. <laughs> so nobody, nobody... A
0: cup of coffee. A cup of coffee, yeah. there we go, LMA. yeah, for a worldwide audience.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's worth remembering, nobody knows these servers exist. Yeah. So you, you switch on a server and then one minute and 24 seconds later... Someone's Somebody somewhere trying. in the world is going, yeah. I wonder if I can crack this.
1: You've got to wonder if, that's, if that would be a different metric if you spin up your, your instance within an organisation where, where it is a well-known about and publicised, you know, there's a domain behind it that's publicising a business. Mm. I wonder whether that that attracts more people.
2: Well, I, I think the key thing to take away is that it's, it's effectively zero. So it was one minute twenty four seconds for the first one to be found. I think the, the, the longest it took for one of the honey pots to be found was about uh, fourteen hours. Yeah, and the median's about three hours. If you're managing um, RDP servers, then that, that's all effectively zero. You know, if you're expecting your infrastructure to be up for any period of time at all, you should assume that your RDP servers are going to be discovered more or less instantaneously. There is no there is no sort of period of invisibility where you get to. Uh, you know, straighten your tie and yeah, figure your yeah. stuff out. You're you're on the front line as soon as you switch that server on.
0: And so, how often do you know how often they try to log in?
2: Pretty much all the time. So really? there was about uh, I think it was 4.3 million login attempts across 30 days over 10 data centers. So these things are essentially um, they're essentially being probed by yeah. people trying to brute force passwords continuously from the moment that they're discovered. Yep. And what we saw was a kind of accelerating rate of, uh, through the 30 days. So obviously not everybody discovers it at the same time and these criminals aren't all talking to each other. So different groups of people, different scripts are finding these servers at different times. So that's kind of piling on the pressure. So you see this, the, the number of attacks is ramping up, uh, through the course of the 30 days. But actually within that, we saw something quite interesting. So the number of attackers goes up over the course of 30 days as people discover it. Yep. But actually the number of attacks by the attackers, by each attacker, in some cases goes up as well. So we saw this this sort of interesting ramp up. So uh, you imagine an attacker comes along, they find your RDP server and then on day one, they do, you know, so many attacks. Yeah. And then on day two, they, they do a few more. And then on day three, they do a few more again. And then on day four, they do four more again. And we saw this for a number of different attackers. And this is kind of interesting. And we think that this is an attempt to smoke out rate limits. So one of the things you can do to defend your RDP servers is to put rate limiting on. So if somebody fails to log in uh, a number of times, and you can set up that number of times to be whatever you like, but if they they have a number of uh, consecutive failed login attempts, within a period of time, then they'll be shut out. And obviously, if you're trying to brute force someone's password, the, the perfect rate for you to guess at is just below that limit. Yeah. And so an efficient way to find that limit is just to keep gently stepping up. Because you've got to figure if you're the attacker, you, you imagine that RDP server is going to be hanging around for quite a while. So you've got time to step up those attacks yeah. over time and walk up to that limit and then you get shut out just once. And then your script operates at just below that level. That's what we assume is going on anyway. That's That seems to me the most logical reason mm-hmm. for that approach. But that was quite interesting.
0: So do you know where the login attempts came from?
2: They, they come from all over, basically. Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, where IP addresses are assigned around the world, it's roughly in order of, of that. Yeah. I mean, we we did imagine, you know, we thought, are we going to see, you know, lots of login attempts coming from, a very small number of addresses in China because of the firewalling there or something like this. But actually it it maps pretty fairly to the number of IP addresses around the world. Um, And that's, I think that's to be expected Mm -hmm. just because, you know, obviously the people who are doing this, they're not logging in from their own computers. This is not some guy sat at home with his home computer uh, logging into, or, you know, trying to log into RDP servers all around the world. They're using other people's computers to do it. Because that way they have, you know, somebody else is paying for it. Somebody else is running their script, and if they're discovered doing it, as they surely will be, then it's not them; it's their first victim that gets discovered. Sure. And we know that there are botnets doing this as well.
0: Okay, cool. Um, and in in the report, you 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 talk about three different types of attack that you saw. There's the RAM, the swarm, and the hedgehog. Do you uh, can you talk me through each one? Who wants just to go before, first? Just
2: before we go into that, I want what I want to make clear about this is just that. This is just three that we happen to see. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we, we sort of dipped into the data and, and skimmed a little off the surface, just looking at the most uh, frequent attackers. And within a very small sort of handful of attackers, we discovered three completely different approaches. Uh, and that was quite interesting as well, I think, that you know, you've know got to think that somebody's trying to break into your RDP server, they've got a number of resources that they're trying to marshal. They've got a few million servers that they can try to crack open. They probably can't do them all at the same time. They have to work out, okay, how quickly am I going to make password guesses? Am I going to try and make lots and lots of password guesses on one computer? Am I going to skip from one computer to the next, making a few password guesses? And you've got an almost infinite supply of usernames that you can use. So what are you going to do there? Are you going to stick, are you going to try and find an administrator password? Well, they've probably quite, you you have to imagine administrator passwords would be well secured generally. Yeah. So it's going to be harder to crack an administrator password. So do you try really hard to crack an administrator password on one server? Or do you chance your arm looking for a user mm. betting on your ability to escalate privileges if you can get in somehow? So these are not, this is not sort of the three attacks that people use. This is just yeah, three, three completely different mm-hmm. approaches that we saw with a fairly uh, shallow dip into the data.
1: Because in in threat threat intelligence, which is a kind of up and coming field at the moment, they talk quite a lot about tools, techniques and procedures. And we can't monitor the tools which are being used on Mm. the device because we're not letting them get onto the device, which is why these are low interaction honeypots and not high interaction honeypots. Um, But we are noticing these are three different techniques which we're able to gather, like Mark said, just from skimming off the top, looking at some of the most prolific attacks we saw on these devices. Who's going to go first? You, Hedgehog.
0: Hit the hedgehog.
2: So the hedgehog attack uh, was conducted against the Sao Paulo data centre and we called it the hedgehog because if you look at a chart of the attacks over time, what you see is periodic spikes where the attacker is trying loads and loads of login attempts and then there's a pause for about a day and then they try again and then there's another pause for a day and then they try again. And the spikes are roughly the same height so there were about 3000 password guesses in each spike but they weren't exactly the same. And the pauses between them were roughly the same size again, but again, not exactly the same. Yeah. And it just looks kind of spiky. And we were a little bit confused by this one, to be honest, because we couldn't work out why this is a good way of trying to break into something because you would think that an attacker would just, once they've discovered your IDP server, they're going to turn up and they're just going to keep plugging away Trying to find the right password mm-hmm. until they succeed, and maybe with that ramping up that we saw before. So we're not quite sure what's going on here. We've come up with a few competing theories, but the, I mean the truth is we don't know. Um, but uh, it may be that they're trying to marshal their resources. So it's, it could be that they've got lots and lots of servers that they're trying to attack, and there's only so many that they can attack at any given time. So they're only devoting resources to the Sao Paulo data center, you know, one out every two days. Yeah, um, we don't know because we we weren't able to record the passwords they were using. So we don't know if they were trying 3,000 passwords and then having a break and then trying a different 3,000 passwords and sort of working through a list in bursts or if they were just repeating the same passwords over again. Mm -hmm. So it's possible, for example, that they are um, just betting on the fact that something's changed in the environment, you know, because we know from looking at uh, password guessing attacks that uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck with the most common passwords. An awful lot of people have got one, two, three, four, five as their password or password one. Um, so it's it's reasonable if you're an attacker just to try those few passwords on every RDP server you can find or, you know, whatever section at the top of the list of most common passwords you think is where you're going to find the sweet spot. So in this case, it may be that they think, you know, the top 3,000 passwords works for them. Yeah. But something that was kind of interesting about the Hedgehog is if you look at the most, if you look at where the attacks came from against Sao Paulo, the hedgehog was the most, uh, was the IP address where the hedgehog attack came from the IP address that was doing most of the attack against Sao Paulo or conducted the most attacks. If you look at the, the sort of 10 below that, what you see is, other attacks that look a bit like the hedgehog, but they're they're more like fragments of the mm-hmm. hedgehog. So you get maybe one IP address would deliver a very similar spike, or maybe it would deliver two or three similar spikes. And if you put them all together, you kind of get a bigger hedgehog. So it's, it's quite possible that actually the hedgehog attack is a slice of a much larger uh, attack, where you've got an attacker utilising multiple different computers. Yep. And so they're trying to avoid detection by not, doing that sort of continuous ramping up from one place, but from lots of different places.
0: Yep.
1: So I will talk to you about the RAM. The reason why it's called the RAM is because it's like a battering RAM on your server.
0: Ah.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. So we did. Yep. So what, what we saw um, in one example is we saw three usernames attempted on that device. And the first one was administrator, the second one was admin, and the third one I'm going to save <laughs> to talk to you about the end because I can't pronounce it in any way, shape, or form. So so administrator and admin were tried 37,623 times, which is a hell of a lot. So we're assuming that that was most likely a password list of 37,623 that they tried against both of those usernames. The third and least popular username that they attempted was Riathor? Is that Re-ath- your best Irish? Re- yeah, yeah. That's as good as I, it's as good as my. You know, it's absolutely
2: get. nailed on that you're not getting that right though.
1: Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> gonna get it wrong. Please, everybody, complain in the comments section about my pronunciation <laughs> of administ the Irish for administrator, which in my my terms is Riathor. <laughs> yep, accurate. But thirty four thousand six hundred and eighty eight times they tried to use a different password or they tried to log into that that username. We're assuming it was a different password. With event ID four six two five for security reasons, Windows doesn't pass back the password with that error log. So we didn't we didn't see what passwords they were attempting to use. But Actually, what's interesting about this is is when you spin up a Windows server and you select a language or select a... uh, Yeah, so you select a language like Portuguese or Spanish, for instance. It will select the regional name for administrator. All of these login attempts, this specific login attempt that we've called out here as the battering ram, was all against the Irish data centre. But there's no option to select Irish as a language on a Windows server.
0: So why Ireland? Why Irish?
1: Data center. Why the Irish data center uh, with the Irish username that is Irish for administrator? Um, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Can I just add to that? Just because you can select Irish as a as a language. Can you? You can set English brackets Gaelic. I think it is or Irish Gaelic. Uh, uh, but but the difference is Windows has eight default administrator pass. Uh, sorry, eight default administrator user accounts that span multiple different languages. Reathwa is not, which is how I pronounced it, but again, <laughs> probably also wrong, um, is the Irish for but it's not actually one of those default windows accounts. So this is a tailored region specific attack. Mm. Um, and what the likelihood is, is that the probe or the attacker has found the IP address of our RDP server that's hosted in the Irish data centre, recognised that IP address is associated to or registered in Ireland and then attempting this regional specific attack off the back of that. Even though it's not a default user account, the chances are it's probably quite a popular username within Ireland. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So uh, something that you've called out there that I think is worth discussing is the the default user account that you mentioned. We saw it in the SSH research, Mm. and we're seeing it again in this RDP research. Administrator is on by default on a Windows server. When you spin it up, you've got the administrator account there. It was the same on the SSH research where Root is there by default on the large majority of Nix devices, Linux devices. For instance, Ubuntu, you've got Root there by default. You can select to, to not have anybody allowed to log in as that Root account. However, it's the most prolifically yeah. logged into or attempted to be logged into account on that, on that honeypot that we saw. And it's the same here. Administrator is by far the standout favorite by the attackers to try and log in as because they know that they're going to get a success net rate on that username they just need to keep on hacking away at the passwords to see if they can find one that's relatively weak
2: so there's a couple of other things that are interesting about this attack um, the, it stands out for me is this is a very very determined attempt to uncover an administrator password so th- this attacker mm. knows exactly what they want the hedgehog, we're not quite sure what it is. It might be that somebody's trying to marshal resources, that they're, they're sort of prioritising the maximum number of targets, or it may be, as we say, it may be some, like a we're looking at part of a botnet account. What's going on here is we've got one attacker who is trying very, very hard uh, and being very patient in making thousands and thousands and thousands of guesses against just the one username, administrator. And then once they've exhausted that list, they're moving on to the next username, which I think in this case was SSM user. And that's interesting mm-hmm. in itself because SSM user is a default username that you find on AWS instances. Okay. And SSM user appears in our uh, list of the most popular usernames entirely because of this attack. Yeah. So I don't think we saw it used anywhere else by any other attacker, but because it was used so frequently by this one, the, you know, the vast majority of attacks are against the administrator username. But then when you look at the the ones below that, this is actually pretty high on the list. And it's just because of that determination. So what they're not doing, they're not cycling through loads and loads of usernames. They may be cycling through other targets, but they're certainly paying an awful lot of attention to this one. And that's because they really want administrator. And that's the absolute opposite of the swarm attack.
3: Thank you very much for taking me up there, Mark. Um, the third and final attack type uh, is aptly named the Swarm. And it's interesting because it differs from the previous two examples, so the Ram and the uh, Hedgehog, because as opposed to using a very long list of passwords or the attackers exhausting through a long list of passwords with some sort of default and standard usernames like administrator etc in the swarm the attackers we actually saw the attackers using a very short list of passwords in fact nine passwords or so and then cycling through a uh, list of a very long list of usernames so for example we saw b brown then c Dr- c brown then d drown it... d drown b brown then c brown then d drown <laughs> you can't do it. They, can't they, probably, can't do D they probably D drown. did try D-Drown at some point. <laughs> <laughs> at some point. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they tried pretty much
2: everything. Yeah. yeah, This was a real was like a kitchen <laughs> sink attack, wasn't it?
3: It was, yeah. So
1: exactly. very popular names. Muller, Smith, others.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but the thing about this is that we didn't see the beginning of it and we didn't see the end of it. So you'd think, if you were going to pick the most likely username, it would be administrator. And then what this attacker seems to have decided is, okay, well, if it's not administrator, it could be anything else. You know, there's not, there isn't yeah. a sort of second most popular username. So uh, it started, we saw this one on the Paris data centre to start with, and I think Paris got 10 or 11 days. And then it appeared on five of the other data centres, or I think it was five in total. But at the point where the attack began on the other data centres, the username was the same across all five. So um we didn't see them begin at the beginning of the list. And so we don't think Paris was at the beginning of the list. If you were going to just go sort of alphabetically or by popularity, you think that they would start with A. Smith. And we didn't see A. Smith. We just saw whatever username was being used against Paris after 11 days was the first one that was used against the other data centres when they came on stream. And so they all progress in lockstep. So you imagine that there's this great big, uh, you know, somewhere there's a script which is running against a whole a, a number of RDP targets, of which five were our honeypots, mm. and it's it's the sort of the puppet master, if you like, and then it just pulls in RDP servers, just they just join the attack um, wherever that script has got up to, because it kind of doesn't matter, you know. B Simmons is the same as A Muller is the same as um, you know Zed Smith, yeah, and I I've got a feeling that this this list probably never ends. And that it's actually an algorithm rather than it being a list of usernames. They're probably just grinding through some kind of algorithmic uh, calculation or dictionary of names or something like this. Um. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well done, Ben. <laughs> Thank you, ben. <laughs> Sorry. Um Sorry.
0: In the report, you talk about Jessica and David. Who are they, Matt?
2: Just some
1: pals from down the pub. <laughs> Met them there. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, great, great people. No, that's not actually. (laughs) That's not the case. Unless you were, in case you were wondering, that's not actually where we get those names from. (laughs) They were the two most popular names that we saw coming up as usernames attempted. Not, no, that's wrong. That's completely inaccurate. (laughs) That is as inaccurate as me saying, I met them down the pub. Actually, they were two of the most popular usernames that were attempted to log on to those servers. They, so- were the,
2: they were the most popular names that you might actually use in a conversation. Right. Most popular So really. like once you get over, there's lots and lots of, there's administrator and there's root and there's user1 and there's test1 and there's SSM user, but you've never met anyone who's called SSM user and you've never met anyone who's called administrator or test1. Yeah. But the first time you've run into a name that you might actually have called someone,
0: Jessica unless and David, you
2: mix in very weird circles, is uh, David if you're a man and Jessica if you're a woman? And actually, Jessica and David, didn't you do some research
1: into how often those, uh, how often people have been called Jessica and David between, you know, the mid 2000s and 1980 or 1970, wasn't it? I think?
2: Yeah, so I, I went and had a look through the US, uh, the sort of official US data on popular names. And if you imagine the kind of people who are like, if you, if you try to work out, what working age is, mm. roughly, um, then Jessica and David are very, very popular names for people in the working age population. And they actually, they haven't been very popular or nearly as popular as they used to be mm. in the last 20 or so years. But um, I think Jessica was an ever-present in the top five. I think actually Jessica was like one of the top two for a decade or so. And David, I think, is was in the top five for most of the time post-war mm. up until the 80s. So it's you know, someone's someone's done a bit of homework and said, all right, if it's not administrator, if it's not some sort of weird computer generated name and it's actually a real person, there's a good chance it's a David. There's a good chance it's a Jessica.
0: Interesting. Um and so you're also monitoring Shodan to see if the honeypots appeared there. Uh does someone want to talk through what Shodan is?
1: Yeah, so Shodan is a tool that you can use to see if your device is online and what ports are accessible on that device. Meaning you can see if you're vulnerable, basically, to people trying to log into your RDP server from outside of your network. So it kind of gives you a view of what an attacker may be seeing mm-hmm. on you. What they, it's, it's, they call themselves the search engine um, of the internet, so, so of, of devices, basically. Mm-hmm. You can search for it for CCTV cameras, you can search for it for RDP servers or whatever other device you want. And on Shodan, for instance, they list, at the time of us writing this, they listed that around 4 million RDP servers were accessible. So we hooked in with the Shodan API to be able to see if, when, when we saw our devices pop up online and RDP be accessible through Shodan, so Shodan had pulled our devices, found them to have RDP revealed to the outside world. When that happened, we were wondering if the number of attacks that were happening on our devices would suddenly shoot up because, because attackers had found those devices to be online. But what was interesting actually about hooking in with this API is that our, our devices never appeared on Shodan during that sort of 35 mm. day period. And we're not entirely sure whether that's because Amazon, Amazon Web Services has some blocking in place for, for Shodan, uh, the, the, the Shodan bots that go around searching the internet, or whether it's because Shodan takes a long time to, to categorize your server. It's difficult to say.
0: Mm.
2: But I, I, it was important because uh, Showdown gets a bit of a bad press because it's a search engine. You can go, anyone can go to Showdown and you can see, yeah. it's very visual. You can see, you can go and see all of the cameras that haven't been secured and you can see what people can see through those cameras. Yeah. So it's very easy to go there and experience how many vulnerable systems there are of a particular type. Um, and so it gets mentioned a lot in the press as, you know, maybe hackers ah, are using this and there's some conversation about, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Because it makes it very easy, um, you know, to see what's out there. And I think actually what monitoring Shodan in this research showed was that absolutely, you know, people don't need this. Yeah, They've got their own tools. They've got their own way of uh, finding vulnerable systems. And they, so Shodan is, is great for you to look at yourself although it's probably not the best way of doing that. But don't look at Showdown and think, okay, well, we're not on there, therefore we're invisible, because you're not.
0: Cool. So uh, that's the end, really. What is your advice to admins using RDP?
3: Um, The simple answer is, uh, if you don't need RDP, don't use it disable it if you don't need to use it. Um, And what if you do? So yeah, obviously we recognise that uh, RDP is actually used very widely um, and needs to be used in certain instances. So in that basis, if you do need to publish RDP out to the out to the external world, i.e. make RDP servers public-facing, consider using a VPN by which to do that on your firewall, which um, offers that, uh, or rather um, protects it from simply being accessible to anybody out Mm -hmm. in the public, uh, and it restricts it down to only those that have authorised access to. um, So yeah, so consider using a VPN.
2: So the thing for me is, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do if you're an administration. We've written about this before in Naked yeah. Security. I think it's an article on securing against SamSam, which is essentially a tutorial on how to tighten up RDP. So a bunch of stuff you can do, but fundamentally it rests on how good are your users' passwords. So if you're comfortable putting your company's network in the hands of whatever the weakest password in your company is, then you know go ahead and expose RDP on the internet. It's a lot better if you use two-factor authentication. Um, but what we're seeing with uh, you know, the the press at the moment is full of blue keep which is this rdp vulnerability this sort of, that can be remotely scripted and turned into a worm if somebody right. figures out how to um, how to do that yeah uh, which seems quite likely so there's a good reason there not to expose rdp uh, onto the internet if you didn't need one already but i mean i look through the news and you see you know the city of atlanta city of baltimore north hydro mm. uh, you know hospitals going down things like these the common factor in lots if not all of these attacks is people brute forcing RDP so it's it's a very very popular tactic with hackers yeah um, and there's a reason for that and that's because it works so you can shut them out entirely by putting your RDP behind a VPN
1: and using two-factor authentication on the VPN otherwise it's just another protocol that could get hacked
0: back to us in the studio. If you want to read the full report, go to sophos.com slash RDP. We'll be back next week on a weekly basis with Series 2, Episode 1. In the meantime, if you've got any questions for us, you can ask them on Twitter or Instagram. We're at Naked Security and we'll see you next week. Bye.